This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Lydia, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. Dude, before we do, I'm pretty tired. Dude, I'm pretty exhausted. This is our second day in a row recording content, and I'm like, I'm feeling it. I'm like, yeah. it's... Well, it's been two days of nonstop work for both of us. Yep. So, but, excuse me, we get some self-care time this weekend, so. Yep, that's true. That is true. It's hard to be looking towards the weekend, though, when it's not even home day yet. Yeah, it's (laughs) Tuesday right now. Yeah, it's Tuesday. All right. So, Lydia, we have already begun to talk about Lydia on this uh, before in this series. And... Lydia is a really interesting character because she disproves several misconceptions about the ancient world. One, that women can't make money. Yeah. And two, women can't make money, especially if they're not married, which Lydia does not appear to be married. So Lydia is a a cool character because... She shows us that you didn't need a man to survive in the ancient world. Right. It just was a lot easier if you had one. But so as the story goes, this is recorded in Acts 16. And Paul and Timothy show up in a city called Philippi. And Philippi is a really interesting city. So it's kind of nestled on a hill. And in Paul's day, it would have had about 16,000 people that lived in it. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Like, if you think back to the ancient world and you think about now, like, the actual city proper that we live in only has, like, 6,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. 16,000? It's a lot. It's a lot. It, It was a walled city. And it was right on the Via Ignatia. So, and the Via Ignatia, we don't talk about it enough. The Via Ignatia is the main Roman highway. It goes through all the major places of the Roman province, that the Roman Empire that they need to go to. It is the main highway. And it runs directly beside Philippi. Okay. And so all the major trade that happens on land goes on the Via Ignatia. Major travel that happens on land Vignatia. Like anything important that happened on land in the ancient world went down the Vignatia. So Philippi is a uniquely strategic city in that regard as well because it's directly smack dab almost like to the mile marker in the middle mm. of the highway. <clears throat> and it was just north of... Uh, about eight miles north of a seaport. So it was like, it was a good city for um, just commerce in general. 
And so Paul and Timothy show up at the city, not really knowing what to expect, but knowing that it's a Roman province or it's a Roman city and one of great wealth, just immense wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the Sabbath, after spending several days in the city, the text says, verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Now, we don't understand this, but in the ancient world, if you wanted to have a synagogue in a city, you had to have 10 Jewish men mm-hmm. that agreed to attend, and they'd give you a place, like you Do could so. have a place to have your synagogue. When Paul shows up, it appears to only be women here. So why did he go to a place of prayer? Because they didn't have any men to have a synagogue. They can't have a place of worship, so they have a place of prayer. Really unfortunate that that's how the ancient society chose to set it up. Yeah. That it was dependent upon the men that you could have a synagogue. But they press on through the obstacles of trying to have a place of worship without any men. So they show, Paul and Timothy show up, and they go down, they go down to this place of prayer, and they sat down and spoke to the women who'd gathered there. So there's some ladies there to pray and attempt to worship best they can without a synagogue. And this is the thing that I think is interesting. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. So Lydia, she was rich. Well, we'll get there in a second. Lydia definitely loaded. Yeah. But this has always struck me. They're at a place of prayer. It appears that Paul was looking for a synagogue. Even though he's sent to the Gentiles, like he's going in looking for the synagogue. Lydia is not a Hebrew name. Mm. Lydia is a Greek name. And the text says that she's a worshiper of God. I don't know if that is... Luke trying to tell us that she worshiped God? Or if that's actually Luke trying to tell us her category. Because in the ancient world, there was a category of people called the God-fearers. And God-fearers, essentially what they were, is they were Gentiles who were everything Jewish except actual ethnicity. Mm. They lived and embraced Jewish life to the fullest. They just weren't ethnically Jew. Got you. And so 
I can't tell what Luke is trying to tell us when he says that. But clearly, she's a Greek or she's a Gentile. Lydia is not a Hebrew name. She's in this Roman province and she's a worshiper of God. Something that we also have to understand is that in the ancient world, we we live in a disenchanted world. So when we look around the world, we're given over to modernity. Right. So we explain everything through science and reason before we explain things through miracles. Right. In the ancient world, it wasn't that way. They lived in an enchanted society where everything was spiritual. And so Lydia seems to be a spiritual person who is looking for God. Whether or not she's found God to the fullest is, you know, kind of hard to determine. But she didn't have the whole picture. Right. Because Luke tells us that the Lord opened her heart to listen. So that's something that I want to point out here. And I don't know, it it may make some people a little bit uncomfortable, but you only know what you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just my suspicion, my guess. I think there are some times that the Lord is pleased with us when we only know what we know. Lydia doesn't have the whole picture, but does that mean that God is disappointed with her for trying to pursue God? No, absolutely not. And I I think that if God intended for us to know all of the things, Mm -hmm. we would know all of the things. Yeah. Right. I think too, but there's an element of faith. Absolutely. Right. And if you had all the answers, there'd be no need for faith. Exactly. So now let's talk about Lydia being a person who deals in purple cloth. She loaded. So purple is the color of royalty. Purple is a very expensive textile uh, color to recreate. Yeah. Or okay. to create. So, which means she's rich. Yeah. If she's a dealer of purple cloth. That means she is, the supply is low, but the demand is high. Yes. And she is making hella bread. Yes, she is loaded. And yes, she is a very wealthy lady. She making hell of bread. Yeah, she is a very wealthy lady. Now, so she listens to what Paul says. And then... She doesn't seem to There's something that happens for her. 
So she's eagerly listening. And then verse 15, when she, when she and her household were baptized, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The implication here for me is that she was baptized in this moment. Mm. That seems like it might make sense. Something happened here, and she gets baptized in this moment. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized. Yeah. Nope, that makes sense. Dot, 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 right? But like, she yeah. gets baptized in this moment. She is, it definitely seems that way. So, one, you can be a spiritual person and not be a Christian. Yep. Now, does that mean God's displeased with you if you only know what you know? Yeah. I, I don't think that's, I don't think God is rigid in that regard. I think if you know the entire story and choose to reject it, there's qualms. Mm. But if you, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I think there's something at play there that I don't want to miss. But the other thing is like, when you hear it and you know it, like Acts is littered with texts where they baptized immediately. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about baptism. It's not, I don't like the old way that we used to talk about it, that baptism is an, an outward display of an inward change. Yeah. Or that it's a sign or a symbol or... I don't like any of that language. I mean, even when you look back at Jesus, right? What happened at his baptism? A very miraculous moment. Uh, yes. The spirit descended upon him like a dove. So based on that, baptism is more than just being dunked in the water. Yes. Agreed. Ba the baptism is not a... a bath that you take in front of a bunch of people no baptism is something wholly other it's and, a it's a sacrament for a reason and i just think there's something to that like and that's why like you don't really see people putting up a fight when people want to get baptized yeah Like, there's something special about the baptismal moment. Mm. And Lydia just embraces it and jumps on it. And here's the point that I want you to see. I have to imagine that in the ancient world, for Lydia to, to get ahead to the level that she was, Lydia had to make some compromises. We do that. I mean, we see that today, right? In order to yep. get ahead, sometimes you got to make some compromises. And then when you've got money, you make compromises to keep it. Yep, it's true. Very um, true. 
just because the narrative doesn't tell us that Lydia doesn't have a lot of baggage doesn't mean she doesn't. Yep. We can look at the other things around her and conclude to some extent that she's she got some past. Own. She's got yeah. some baggage. Like, how did she become a dealer in purple cloth, I wonder? Yeah, like, what's that story about how you come up and get there? Especially as a woman in the ancient world. Yeah. How many people did you have to step on to get there? Yeah, or... or uh, yeah, did you have to steal your first round? I mean, mm-hmm. like, what has happened in order for you to be able to get in this position? Because that's why the position is fascinating, because nobody was able to do it. Right. Or very few. Yep. So what does it mean? What did she have to do to get there? Yep. I think Lydia's probably got some pass. Obviously, I'm reading between the lines here. The text doesn't say this, but I don't think it's far-fetched to assume. No, I don't think so. It it is speculation, though. And here's the thing I want to draw your attention to. Later in the chapter, go look it up. It's in verse 40. After a whole lot more stuff happens and Paul and Silas get arrested and all kind of stuff. Lydia shows back up in the picture. And she's now inviting all the brothers and sisters into her home. Yeah. She becomes the first house church leader in Philippi. She's also only been a Christian a grand total of like a week. Yeah. Leadership is not something. Leadership is not something that has a time prerequisite. Mm. I don't think that. I think we do ourselves an injustice. When we say to people, oh, you just became a Christian, Mm. like you got to wait a little bit to get in leadership. You got to, we got to hold back. You need to learn a little bit more before you can lead. Yeah. No, that's the job of pastors. Pastors guard the content. Pastors guard the spirituality. Pastors guard the formation. In those moments immediately after your conversion, that is arguably the most on fire for Jesus you will ever be. Unless you went to church camp. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And if you went to church camp and this happened, you'll be on fire for 10 hours. And it's gone. (laughs) But I really genuinely think we do ourselves a disservice when we say, well, no, you need more time. Yeah. Like, you need more years of experience. Yep. Here's what I think. No matter what, no matter how many years of experience you have in anything, you're going to screw up. Yep. And I promise you, I spent five years going to seminary, going to undergrad and my first graduate degree to learn how to be a pastor. I started working at a church and literally went 
what did I go to school for? Because mm. they didn't teach me any of this. Yeah. Sometimes it's just things you have to learn on the job. Yeah. And there's no amount of prerequisite or years of experience or anything that can gain that for you yeah. other than just jumping in and doing it. Mm. Yep. So that's my charge to all of our Wellhouse listeners is I don't ever want someone to tell me, well, I can't serve or I can't lead or I can't do this because I've only been a Christian for X amount of time. No, here's how we're going to do it. You're a Christian today, so you serve and lead tomorrow. Mm. There's no prerequisite or anything like that. I might, I might not let you take the pulpit. Yeah. Like, that may be something we wait and work together on. But leaders lead. That's right. Leaders lead. And I think we've done enough to prove that gender ain't an issue here. Well, and let's even, let's even go this, this far. To, to the point of you are a Christian today and you serve tomorrow, right? Literally, Jesus went and called his disciples and said, follow me. And they went and they served immediately. So with all that being said, whether you are male or female, you are a Christian today, so serve tomorrow.